consumers respond differently to economic stress, even if they have similar FICO scores at the beginning of that stress. Welcome to FICO Score Insights, our podcast series covering the intricacies, evolution, and developments across credit scoring, lending, economic inclusion, financial literacy, and as matters emerge in this fast-paced environment, a host of other relevant topics. I'm Lance Brown, host of the FICO Score Insights podcast, and today we'll be talking with David Binder about the broad-based industry benchmark for assessing consumer resilience, the FICO Resilience Index. A little more about David Binder. He's a senior director on the FICO Score product management team, and he supports a range of solutions and multiple clients. Previously, David led FICO's IFRS 9 and CECL practice. David, welcome. Thanks, Lance. Great to be here. David, let's start with the obvious question. What does FICO mean by resilience? Yeah, so resilience means a lot of things in different contexts. But for us, for the purpose of this discussion, it's really referring to an inherent attribute of consumers regarding their ability to withstand the pressure that comes from a change in economic conditions and specifically with respect to their ability to fulfill their debt obligations. Exactly what is the FICO Resilience Index and what was the client challenge that led to its development? The origin story of FRI, FICO Resilience Index, is pretty interesting. A senior client spoke to Gerald Fawner, the inventor of FRI, and made a straightforward request. He said, tell me which of my FICO 680s will default in the next recession. And it was a really compelling question because he's really trying to get at the fact that consumers respond differently to economic stress, even if they have similar FICO scores at the beginning of that stress. And so really the inspiration of FRI was that question. It led to a lot of research that ultimately led to this product reaching the market. And its idea is to rank order that concept of resilience that we defined previously. And the way that we know that it works is actually in the context of that question that was asked, where we look at groups of consumers who have similar FICO scores, but very different FRI values. And we track their performance through periods of economic stress. And in that way, we were able to tell that we'd really identified something that previously had not been identified. David, why is FRI necessary? Isn't the FICO score good enough on its own? Well, the FICO score is outstanding at what it does. What it's intended to do is to rank order credit risk, regardless of the state of the economy. So whether it's a good economy or a bad economy or an in-between economy, higher FICO scores should always outperform lower FICO scores. What FRI is designed to do is to differentiate the performance of those similar-looking borrowers, i.e. they have similar FICO scores, based on their ability to withstand that stress. And we can see in validations that consistently, even within narrow FICO score bands, let's say 680 to 699 or 740 to 759, we can see that more resilient borrowers significantly tend to outperform less resilient borrowers within that same narrow FICO score band. So we make those bands narrow to remove the impact of higher versus lower FICO scores, and we just rank order the borrowers within that band by their FICO resilience index, and we can see these patterns emerge across different industries and different life cycles of the consumer. So really, that's what it's designed to do. 
It's a, a measure on a different scale with different directionality from a FICO score. It's a 1 to 99 range where lower is actually better. And it pairs with the FICO score. So it doesn't try to replace it. It complements the FICO score to provide that additional dimension of credit risk that is really only a differentiator of performance through stressed economic conditions. So it is correct to keep these concepts separate, but to use them together. Can you tell me a little bit more about how FRI was developed? Sure. So without going too deep into the technical details, Essentially, the concept behind the development of FRI was to look at groups of borrowers who had very similar credit profiles going into two distinct phases of the economy, one being the benign period of 2013 to 2015, and the other being the Great Recession period of 2007 to 2009. And we tracked those sets of consumers through those two periods and we're essentially able to determine which consumer's performance was substantially worse during the stress period versus the benign period, which would make them more sensitive and have a higher FRI. And those whose credit performance remained fairly stable despite the impact of the economic stress, those were the more resilient with lower FRI borrowers. David? Given that you've mentioned the historical data that was used in the development of FRI, did it work in a similar way during the pandemic? Well, it worked during the pandemic. Uh, I'd argue it worked in a different way because the pandemic was itself so different from the Great Recession. During the Great Recession, borrowers' delinquency significantly deteriorated. The sorts of safety nets that were put in place almost immediately after the pandemic became severe really helped borrowers. So between the stimulus that was put in place by the government and the protections that were offered by lenders in the form of what we broadly describe as payment accommodations across a range of products that allowed borrowers to pause their payment obligations on their different debts as long as they really needed to, or at least for a long period of time in some cases. And so we were not getting a lot of signal through the pandemic when it came to late stage delinquency because it was really being pushed down the road. But very early in the pandemic, we got a strong signal across all different products that FRI was doing a great job at differentiating those borrowers who were placed on payment accommodations from those who were not. And it was kind of giving us that rank ordering of payment accommodations within narrow FICO score bands that we were able to see with severe delinquency. But instead of having to wait 18 to 24 months into the period of economic stress, we were seeing this rank ordering emerging after just three to six months. Although FRI was designed to identify, to measure stress on consumers' payment performance in a very different way than what happened through the pandemic. Because it's really trying to capture an intrinsic quality of borrowers at the moment they're faced with some form of economic stress, it seemed to do its job really well in this extremely different context. We had to look at a very different performance measure than we were used to. So actually, after that period of heavy use of payment accommodations, we did continue to monitor performance of borrowers through the pandemic. Uh, in particular on unsecured products such as credit cards and unsecured personal installment loans, 
where the strength and the duration of payment accommodations that were offered, first of all, they were offered a little less often, but they tended to be shorter in duration and less generous overall. And so we were able to track over 24 months into the pandemic and look at traditional delinquency measures. And actually, we did see rank ordering, albeit not as profound of rank ordering effect as we saw during the Great Recession when really those protections were not in place. So it sort of softened the impact of the economy on some borrowers, but FRI was still able to pick up that signal where the protections were less once we got 18 to 24 months into the pandemic economy. David, tell me how FRI can help lenders make better credit decisions. We see use cases for FRI across the credit lifecycle, really, from account underwriting and originations to account management, particularly credit line management for uh, credit cards and other revolving products, uh, all the way to at least early stage collections. So if you think about places where FICO score is currently used today, we see the ability of FRI to provide an additional dimension of insight into these decisions where particularly when, let's say, applicants are close to a FICO score cutoff, either just below or just above, or in general, even if you look more broadly at the risk criteria that would be used to make a decision one way or the other, those borderline decisions we think can and should be refined by the additional impact of FRI. So if somebody is say, just below a FICA score threshold or other risk criteria, but they have a very low FICA resilience index or very good resilience, then maybe that should be sufficient to give them approval for that decision. So whether it's a simple yes, no, or a little better price or a little more line or a little more favorable term in general, then FRI can provide a little boost to the borrower profile. And conversely, for borrowers that are above thresholds and otherwise meet the minimum risk requirements with respect to a certain decision, we would encourage lenders to proceed with a bit more caution if that borrower has a high FRI indicating more sensitivity to changes in economic conditions. So it's a refinement. It could certainly fit within existing decision trees by providing an extra split at some point. And one of the benefits of FRI is that it comes with its own reason codes. So in addition to the reason codes provided by FICO scores, Each FRI comes with up to five reason codes. And so really that arms lenders with a lot of information about that borrower's profile in the event of an adverse action that they have to communicate back to that borrower. They've got a lot of information that they could potentially share. So that's a high level overview in terms of where in the life cycle FRI could be used and how practically it could fit into existing strategies to provide an additional level of refinement. So are there any other ways that FRI can be used? So I'd say in addition to these borrower level decisions that we just described, there are a range of portfolio level decisions, again, where FICO score is currently being used across the industry where FRI could provide an additional level of insight. A really obvious 
perpetual use case for FRI is in stress testing, where whether or not you're in a stressed economy or you expect to be in a stressed economy, you have to simulate the impact of being in such a stressed economy on your portfolio and the ability of FRI to aid segmentation and or feed stress testing models is we think a really compelling use case that sort of consistently and continually has value. Uh, in addition, in the U.S., with the introduction of the current expected credit loss model, CECL or CECL, as you alluded to earlier, being part of my background, it's of particular interest to me as a use case because Again, in that model, in that framework, you have to anticipate changes in economic conditions and look out over an extended period of time. And again, the additional insight that segmenting by FRI or uh, using FRI as an input into those CECL models can be very powerful. And, you know, just more generally looking at, at benchmarks across the industry, looking at benchmarks versus yourself over time across different products, different segments of your portfolio to see where you have more or less resilience in your portfolio in order to anticipate the portfolio's ability to withstand changes in economic conditions. So, yes, of course, think about using FRI in those day-to-day decisions, but also look at FRI as another tool to evaluate and refine the shape of your portfolio and make those two work together. So really the cumulative effect of your borrower level decisions or applicant level decisions will influence over time the shape of your portfolio. And so having good communication across the business between risk in the business and portfolio managers versus the functional managers with respect to what you're seeing through the lens of FRI, we think is a, a sophisticated and really powerful way to use it in conjunction with existing FICO scores and other risk management tools and methods. David, tell me, how can an organization start to receive FRI? It's pretty straightforward. FRI can be delivered through the same pipes that FICO scores are currently delivered. So we encourage our FICO score clients to reach out to their bureau representative or representatives if they work with multiple bureaus to obtain FRI. And for new clients especially, we're encouraging all of them to use FRI 2, which is the latest version of FRI that outperforms the original version Uh, across really every dimension. So if you're new to FRI, that's certainly the right place to start. And if you've been pulling FRI version one, we have been encouraging lenders to make the move to FRI two because it's its performance really is better. But then once you've made that request, it's just delivered at the same time and in the same way as FICO score, which can be received on a historical basis, on an ongoing basis as decisions are made in a batch pull for account management purposes. So, again, all the different ways that FICO score is delivered across all three bureaus in the U.S., that is how FRI can be delivered as well. And one more reminder for new clients to request FRI 2 because there's really no reason to start with version 1. They have the same description. They serve the same purposes. The use cases are all the same. It's just that FRI 2 outperforms the original version in every way. David, let me ask you one more question. When's the best time to use FRI? Well, we think FRI is something that you should be using all the time. If you wait until the economy takes a sudden turn for the worse, well, first of all, 
most likely you'll be fighting fires and you'll want to have the toolkit that you're going to use to fight those fires at the ready. So arguably before such an emergency arises is the best time to start. But with the storm clouds that we see on the horizon, we're seeing tech layoffs, ongoing effects from the pandemic, high inflation and rising interest rates. There is a lot of uncertainty about the direction that this economy is going to go. And so we think it's a great time to start to look at it, evaluate it, get caught up on the variety of materials that are available. We've produced, in addition to this podcast, of course, a range of white papers and blogs and formal documentation, such as user guides and compliance documents and other pre-recorded webinars. We've really tried to help our clients understand this product, its various use cases, what it does, what it doesn't do, why and how it is different from and complementary to the FICO score, why it's unique in the market, education about FRI 2 versus version 1, why it outperforms and, and evidence of that. So there is no shortage of support. And of course, the, the bureaus themselves are available to help with the practicalities of receiving FRI and uh, getting it implemented. So we do think it's a good time to look at it, evaluate it, and find ways to put it to use so that you can begin to incorporate that extra dimension of credit risk into all these key aspects of portfolio risk management that we've just discussed. David, thanks for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. And to all of you who've taken time to spend with us, we thank you too. We do appreciate you listening. If you have any questions regarding the FICO Resilience Index, please visit fico.com slash resilience index. You can also write to us at FICOScoreInfo at fico.com or call us at 888-342-6336. Until next time, thanks for listening.